perfect? Bang on my chest if you think I'm perfect. Go ahead, bang on it. No heart? You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. This is Patchwork Heart Ministries' Young Catholics Respond, brought to you by Breadbox Media. Now, here's your host, Bill Snyder. Thanks, Adam, and welcome to the program, everybody. I am Bill Snyder. This is Young Catholics Respond, and thank you so much for joining us today on the program and listening to our show uh, all year. Uh, I want to thank you and wish you a very Merry Christmas as we are now at Christmas Eve and uh, looking forward to the many ways that our Lord is going to come into our lives during this Christmas season. So Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Uh, I also want to remind you that you can go and visit our website, which is patchworkheart.org, for more information about our ministry and the many different projects that we are involved in. However, uh, today I am uh, blessed to be joined by Julia Golding, who is the founder of Project Northmore. And this is an incredible project that is... A, a basically a campaign to save J.R.R. Tolkien's home and establish a literary center. So, uh, Julia, welcome to Young Catholics Respond, and thank you for joining me all the way from England. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. It's lovely to be with you. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, being the founder of this project, I mean, so many people know J.R.R.'s uh, amazing writings and uh, movie adaptations of his books. But uh, tell us a little bit about how you conceived this uh, wonderful idea to save his home and create a literary center. Well, the first thing is that I live in the same city where this house is. So Tolkien um, lived in this house in the absolute pivotal years of his life. This is 1930 to 1947. Actually, we all got very used to the idea of Tolkien as the old professor, you know, smoking a pipe. But at these years, he was actually himself a young Catholic. Um, he he was just uh, beginning with his family. They um, had four children, little children. So he and Edith had the family underfoot. And they moved into the house to give them space to raise their family. And during those years... He wrote The Hobbit, which started as a story for the kids. Uh, And, of course, his most famous book, The Lord of the Rings. He also spent the Second World War there, which I think is very important because he had his eldest um, uh, son was away fighting that war. And part of what he was writing, he was sending out to his his son, Christopher. Um, I think he was serving in the Air Force in South Africa. So there's all sorts of real connections between this house and Tolkien and his life as a a young father creating this amazing world which we are all still enjoying in its new iterations in film and the mini series that's coming next year on Amazon. So how did this project come about? Well it started very simply I I cycled past the house and saw that the signboard had gone up. Now this house has only so it was built in 1924 sold to Tolkien in 1930, sold again in 1947, and then stayed with the same family all the way through to 2004, and now belongs to this new vendor who is just selling up. So you can see that it doesn't change hands very often. And I've thought, well, right, here's the chance for our generation to save this house so that it can be used for um, you know, fellow Tolkien admirers to come and visit. Uh, that 
the the house itself is a large detached house um it's uh, got steep roofs and a large garden and there's about at least seven bedrooms in the house depending how you organize the rooms and it seems to me the perfect place to have small writing uh creative writing retreats illustrating retreats um people coming to find out about Tolkien and his circle. Tolkien was part of a group called the Inklings, mm. um, who are an absolutely fascinating group of writers because I'm sure many of your listeners will have heard of C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia stories. Uh, so Tolkien and Lewis were both working in Oxford as academics. They and their friends met after work for a drink down the pub and Tolkien would bring parts of his writing to read out. And C.S. Lewis would bring his stories to read out. And it's just amazing that some of the biggest, what we would now these days call franchises, um, started in this very uh, humble setting of a pub in Oxford. Uh, and of course, they shared um, a faith. Um, C.S. Lewis spent the 20s as a atheist. He'd had like Tolkien himself, terrible experiences during the First World War. And there was a quite a strong um, move towards a more atheistic uh, way of looking at uh, society that uh, C.S. Lewis was part of. And he then met this exciting young uh, Catholic father, who is Tolkien, yeah. and had a series of conversations with him and another man called Owen Barfield. And this has become known as the Great Conversation in that it went on for a long time over a number of evenings, but it was absolutely pivotal in C.S. Lewis's decision to become a Christian. And what the intellectual persuasion was, as opposed to the sort of heart, you know, matter of faith, but the, what they were discussing was how God communicates in story which I think is amazing, coming up to Christmas, which has one of the most brilliant <laughs> stories that you can never tire of hearing, uh, all the different aspects every year, it, it strikes us afresh. Um, they were having a similar conversation. C.S. Lewis had absorbed this idea that came out of 19th century thought that um, human myths were repeats of each other. So when you have the story of a sacrifice god, such as Odin, um, who is hung on a tree to gain wisdom, or the crop god, where some societies would um, kill some, I, I think there might even have been a human sacrifice element here, but you know, yeah, a symbol yeah. of killing um, to bring fertility. They equated that to the Christian story and said, oh, it's just a repeat. Basically, it's all made up, just the same old story recycled. Yeah. And this was the sort of thing uh, C.S. Lewis had been persuaded by. And Tolkien turned the tables on him and said, have you not thought that maybe this is how God chooses to communicate with us so that he uses story structures that we understand to communicate? So Jesus is a kind of fulfillment of that story, not a repeat. Um, and obviously it means far more because it's Jesus. Yeah. So this, um, and, and, you know, Lewis has written very movingly about this. This became one of the things which tipped the balance for him. Um, 
and he then became one of the most famous Christian writers of the 20th century. Tolkien is less famous for his faith, and that's because his approach as a writer was very much to bury his values and his, um, you know, those heartfelt issues. They, they're buried in the substructure of what he writes. They're still there, um, but I think it means that he's more accessible to a group of people who don't come with a faith. Um, you can enjoy the same values without feeling you've got to um, be a Christian to enjoy him. That's why I think he's an exciting figure as a, a meeting point, a threshold, because we obviously want in the 21st century to have um, figures who unite us and don't divide us. And he seems to provide that. Anyway, that's a very long answer to <laughs> why I'm excited about this house. Uh, it's, it's up for sale, very rarely is. If we don't get it, it will be bought and go into private hands. And we don't know what um, what might happen to it after that. It certainly won't be available uh, to Tolkien fans to visit. Um, yes, you know, it's really amazing uh, what you have um, put together with this project. And thank you for providing such a beautiful overview of the um the the life and the faith really of you know a very subtle faith of J.R.R. Tolkien because um that that is beautiful for um I think listeners of this program to to understand that the the overt faith of you know having to live out and evangelize can be done through your work, through your writing. And that's beautiful um, for, for people to, especially, you know, people out there listening who might think, oh, I am, you know, not the, um, you know, world's greatest evangelist out there. You don't have to be if your work is, um, is glorifying God. And wow, what an amazing impact, especially with C.S. Lewis uh, that he had. And so amazing, amazing stuff. Um, I want to ask you just a little bit. We only have a few minutes left in this segment, but I but I'd like to ask you a little bit about um, you know the the faith life you know of Tolkien and just how he um, related to his family. And you mentioned uh, with his son, you know Christopher in the Second World War, um, him him writing to him to encourage him. What was what was his faith like? Do we have any uh, evidence of you know his, his you know his children and his and his you know lineage following in his footsteps, uh, and and you know just just that simple humble way of of being of being you know a, you know a simple Catholic in some ways. Oh, absolutely. Um, the uh, surviving members of the Tolkien family, many of them, I believe, are still um, very active in um, the Catholic Church. And I know that many of them give to um, Catholic causes. Um, one of his sons became a, a priest, I believe. Um, so it's clearly deep, deep, deep in the family and something which united them. It was very special. On the connection between Tolkien and his son during the Second World War, the thing to remember about Tolkien and C.S. Lewis is they both went through the First World War. Uh, Tolkien himself was at the infamous Battle of the Somme, which is one of the worst of the many terrible battles during that conflict. 
And can you imagine what it would have been like to, in 1939, having had that war experience and seeing that you have sons who are old enough to serve and your experience means you know what they're going to face. Obviously, the way the, fought, the battle was fought in the Second World War turned out differently, but it was horrific in its own way. Of course. So his writing, I think that we often think of fantasy as escape. But it, yes and no. I think there's a lot in Lord of the Rings which is about being on the edge of battle finding courage in battle, the experience of the confusion of war where you're seeing one tiny little bit of it. Um, as the writer, you've got the overview, but his characters have this ant's eye view of events. And I think it is a, a book definitely written, well, it is written in the shadow of war. Mm. And that's part of its power um, because it, it feels earned. You know, mm. sometimes fantasy feels a bit, shallow yeah. uh, this feels really earned and the other thing just to sort of round off the idea about his faith is that um underlying lord of the rings there are some really important messages which are not they are faith messages but they have a wider application so for people you know who don't come at this from a faith perspective it is that you cannot do these heroic deeds on your own you're not beowulf killing the dragon on your own you are or the monster, Grendel's monster. Um, you are part of a fellowship. You have to be, in case of Frodo, I mean, Sam is the one who basically <laughs> propels him up the mountain, but even Sam isn't enough. You cannot do these things on your own. And it's a bit of a plot spoiler, but guys, you know, he can't throw the ring himself into the fire because he cannot overcome his own sin or his own temptation to take the power. And it requires an intervention from Gollum and <laughs> to come and actually force that moment. And he is there for two reasons. Well, two main reasons. One is it could be the hand of providence, which is referred to by some characters guiding the course of events. But also he's there because Bilbo, his um, Frodo's uncle, spared Gollum in an act of mercy way back in The Hobbit. So there's this idea that it's the acts that we, we the decisions we make earlier in our life that then play out and influence events. And I think all of that is a deeply spiritual and deeply wise way of looking at um, humanity. I mean, they're hobbits, but you know they're humans, really. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, thank you so much, Julia, for sharing uh you're, you, you have such incredible wisdom and a beautiful way of uh, unlocking the, the power of uh, Tolkien's writings for us. Uh, for our listeners, uh, we're talking with Julia Golding. Uh, she is the uh, founder of Project Northmore, which we're going to talk more about in the second half of our program, which is basically a uh, project to save J.R.R. Tolkien's house. Uh, and turn it into a literary center of his writing. So we're going to take a short break right now, and we'll be right back after these messages here on Young Catholics Respond. Don't go anywhere. Patchwork Heart Ministry is committed to sowing hope into broken hearts by helping young people encounter the love of Jesus Christ and his Catholic Church through prayer, storytelling, and media initiatives. We invite you to prayerfully consider supporting this mission financially. Mail your tax-deductible donation to Patchwork Heart Ministry, 
at P.O. Box 563 Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, zip code 53147, or visit patchworkheart.org to donate online. That's Patchwork Heart Ministry, P.O. Box 563, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, 53147, or online at patchworkheart.org. Hi, everybody. Bill Snyder here. Just want to thank you for listening to this episode of Young Catholics Respond. And as a founder of Patchwork Heart Ministry, we have so much more going on than just our podcasts. Check it out at patchworkheart.org. The St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith offers prayerful accompaniment for those who are affected by divorce and separation. We offer free online support meetings for those affected by divorce and for adult children of divorce. You can learn more about us at nonatus.org. That's N-O-N-N-A-T-U-S dot org. Text or call 215-870-9913. Judy Hare was a bankrupt, homeless, drug-addicted college dropout on the brink of divorce, but is now a seminary graduate and devoted wife and mother of four children. What happened? Find out in her autobiography, Shattered, How God Restored My Heart and Life. Her journey of faith has been called brutally honest, truly inspiring, profound, heartbreaking, and life-changing. Shattered is available now for only $15 on her website, judyhair.com, on amazon.com, or at your local Catholic bookstore. As Judy says, it is never too late to become the person you deserve and desire to be. So stop wishing for change and start doing something about it by reserving your copy of Shattered today. Our Blessed Mother wants only the best for her children and has given us a special place where she promises to help all those who appeal to her motherly love and protection. Telling Saint Juan Diego that here I will alleviate the sufferings of all those who love me and seek my protection. That holy place is now the site of the beautiful Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City. If you would like to learn more about how you can visit this special place of grace, please visit vivaguadalupe.org for more information. Our Lady may be calling you now. Your heart is always beating, but you never have to think about it. Welcome back to Young Catholics Respond. Once again, Bill Snyder. Welcome back to this episode of Young Catholics Respond, everyone, and Merry Christmas as we are approaching Christmas tomorrow. I can't believe I'm saying that in the year 2020, but um, I am blessed to be joined today by Julia Golding. Uh, she is the founder of the Project Northmore. Uh, their website is projectnorthmore.org. And this, um, this project is absolutely fascinating. Uh, it's, it's been, um, you know, as you kind of highlighted about saving Tolkien's home because of the writer that he was and the meaning behind uh, his writing and the depth and power of his writing and how popular it is, quite frankly, <laughs> still today. Movies have been made, multiple movies have been made about his uh, greatest works, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, uh, and and others. So I would I would love it if you would uh, sh talk with us and share with us about the why. Why save uh, Tolkien's home and the importance of, of having a literary center devoted to 
to, to his memory. Yeah, thank you. I mean, just to add as a little addendum to the list of things you mentioned just then, of course, the uh, the miniseries next year, Amazon, is the most expensive series ever made in television history. It's already clocking in at over a billion dollars. Wow. So there we go. That's that's the value of Middle Earth to um, screenwriters. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so why this house? I suppose we've got used to outsourcing Middle Earth to New Zealand. And um, that is one version of the way of approaching Tolkien. Tolkien himself never went to New Zealand. I'm sure many of you knew that. <laughs> but And he was inspired by his life in um, England and travelling in uh, particularly the, the Alps, that area of Europe. So I think it's important that as well as having these wonderful locations that you can shoot, you actually have a sense of the authentic inspirations for a writer and it is always struck me as very very strange in a country that has multiple houses for Charles Dickens, uh, Jane Austen, William Wordsworth, Thomas Hardy, I mean I could just name all the most famous writers and they've all got somewhere that you can go either to stay and do um, creative writing, uh, in the case of Ted Hughes the poet he's got a fantastic house in Yorkshire or um, go and visit a museum, which covers some of the others. Uh, in this case, this particular house is the key house for Tolkien. He moved around a fair amount uh, as his family grew and shrunk again. And this is the house that covers his key years. The house, the house of the Hobbit and the house of the Lord of the Rings, which for me makes it, you know, the one to, the one to go for. Um, and also, how else can, well, for me personally, when I go to a place that's inspired another writer, I feel as though I absorb that inspiration myself and I get to understand their, their worldview. So an obvious one of this is something like uh, going to the Lake District to see what William Wordsworth was looking at in terms of his poetry. I mean, that's sort of obvious. Mm -hmm. When you want to understand what the Shire is like, you come to Oxford and you go out into the villages around Oxford, particularly into the Cotswolds, where I know they're not necessarily buried houses, but they are so Hobbit-like, as are the people. Mm. Uh, I think if I was going to be a race of Middle Earth, I'm going to be a Hobbit. My husband definitely <laughs> is, because we're sort of local people, and, you know, we're definitely not elves. So... Um, <laughs> You can see how, you know, the inspiration and there's some places near Oxford that are very clearly featured in Lord of the Rings, such as the wonderful, wonderful White Horse, which is a 3000 year old, enormous chalk figure. Do Google it after I've mentioned it, because it looks like a piece of modern art and it's on a hillside not far from Oxford. And that image um, with the White Horse running across the hill, of course, is feeding into the idea of the Rohirrim and they have the you know shadow facts so you don't have to go very far to actually see ah yes that's where it came from just a short walk from the house are the willow meads which um Treebeard sings about and I would love to share that with the worldwide fan base so this could be done in two ways from the house. One is to actually visit, but that would be small numbers because it's a residential house. It will stay a home. So it's going to have small numbers staying, but also to build on that 
a whole online program of virtual visits, talks, forums um, for discussion, creative writing courses. The sky's the limit once you get online. Um, so I want to do the two things. So even if you're sitting, listening to this somewhere and think, I'm never going to be able to get to Oxford, you will be able to be involved in the house if we get this, um, make this happen. And in fact, we're inviting people to show interest now and say, yeah, I want to be involved because you can help shape what we do and find out what kind of online activities work. So it's got that kind of two, two sides to it is there's the, yes, you can come to the physical place and see the area around um, that's inspired him, but also there would be this community built around the house. Just because if we don't do it, if our generation don't do it, I, what, we're missing we're missing out here because he is so loved by so many people yeah um, absolutely so that, that's 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 the vision and it's it's one of the problems though is it's a really expensive house it's in it's a lovely house in a lovely part of the world i'm very blessed living in oxford it isn't cheap so that is why we're asking for i think it works out in america about just sort of somewhere close to $6 million. It's four, £4 million pounds just to buy the house, just to buy the house. Wow. After that, the income from what the house activities will pay for it. But uh, a charity cannot afford to make that leap without everybody um, joining in with what they can manage. I am aware that we are living in really difficult global times. And this is about creating something extra that is beautiful. So the ask is what you can spare, um, whatever that means to you in your situation. Uh, and so, so that's what we're hoping. And so that if we spread the load over all of us, then nobody's carrying too much of a financial burden. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some amazing people who have gotten involved with this project as well, right? I mean, uh, Ian McClellan, uh, even uh, Martin Freeman, uh, who, you know, some, some of these big actors and actresses uh, who have created a video as well, right? Like a special uh, video that uh, to kind of kick off the project and, uh, and this website that people can visit projectnorthmore.org to find out all about it as well, right? There's, there's uh, some, some, some great ways uh, to, to get in touch um, with this project and and get behind it and it sounds like some of the biggest stars from from the films are uh behind it as well well the thing about this as soon as i've sort of said look here's this house it's tolkien's um key house and we want to do this with it everyone said oh yeah that's that really should happen yeah. <laughs> and of course what the celebrities do um is that they they are like a megaphone uh in a very competitive world I originally started with um, Derek Jacobi, who's a very, uh, you would have seen him in something. He's a wonderful actor, uh, very famous over here. He was in the Tolkien biopic, that film that came out a couple of years ago. Um, and he was the one who introduced me to uh, Ian McKellen. And then once Ian McKellen showed interest and has been supporting it on his social media, uh, I thought, well, you know, we've got Gandalf. <laughs> that, that's amazing uh and annie lennox then joined in she's uh she sung the oscar winning song on return of the king and the last person who was recruited not because he was late but because 
I was doing this really quickly in November and he he just was the last in my little queue of people was uh, Martin Freeman and I rather love that because if you remember the opening of The Hobbit it's uh, Bilbo who wakes up and the dwarves have already set off and then he runs through Hobbiton to catch up so he was great that he came at the end to join us I had to we'd already buttoned up the video we had to unbutton it again (laughs) (laughs) I cut cut a lot of me got rid of me uh put Martin Freeman in much better deal um yeah so that was that was great and I really thank them for their generosity yeah absolutely absolutely awesome stuff uh, as we're running out of time here i want to remind people that they can visit the website uh, projectnorthmore.org uh, for more information about it and of course to donate right any other information you'd like to give us julia as we wrap up today's interview and thank you so much for being here and sharing this awesome uh, story with us on uh, on christmas eve thank you yeah so just two things one is just to explain why northmore uh, that's the name of the road the house is in, 20 Northmore Road. So that's that's why. Uh, and I suppose the final thing is just to wish everybody a really Merry Christmas and to stay safe. Yes, uh, you please too. Please, everybody, stay safe. Absolutely, you too. And thank you so very much. Uh, again, this has been an episode of Young Catholics Respond. Until next time, from all of us here at Patchwork Heart Ministry, I'm Bill Snyder. Keep beating to your Catholic heart. You've been listening to Young Catholics Respond, a radio initiative of Patchwork Heart Ministry. To learn more about our ministry and program, visit us at patchworkheart.org. Or to get exclusive access and early ministry updates, become our patron on Patreon by searching for Patchwork Heart Ministry.